You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Amen. If you are a veteran or you're currently serving in our military, would you please stand at this time, please? Stand. Stan, thank you so much, everybody. Let them know for your service. Amen. Thank you very much. And remember, as you leave here today to go by the Connect desk, we have a special gift for you. In life, there are some things that are worth fighting for. You agree with that? Our freedom in America and our freedom in Christ. When Dwight D. Eisenhower was president from 1953 to 1961, he received a letter from an eight-year-old boy named Keith Aiken of Trumbull, Connecticut. Keith wrote, After listening to the news about the Cold War, I am worried about the people in the world. In thinking it over, I have a plan. Call all the leaders together who want war, put them in a ring, and let them fight it out. Now, I'm sure that many veterans feel this way about war. Just let those who want to fight do the fighting. Don't involve everybody else in it. War is a terrible thing, and it seems that war is an inevitable thing in our world, especially now. If you would, you can just follow on the screen. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to look at one verse to begin with. Matthew 24 Verse 6, and this is what it says when I find my place right here. It says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Heard that before? See that you are not alarmed. For what? This must take place, but the end is not yet. Now, I know a lot of us have prayed, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Depend on what's going on in your life. Amen? Most Bible commentators believe that Jesus was talking about the coming destruction of Jerusalem, which took place about 70 A.D. But could it be that wars are also a sign of the second coming of Christ? Could it be? Many people believe so. Wars do seem inevitable. General Sherman once said, you don't know the horrible aspects of war. I've been through two wars, and I've seen cities and homes in ashes. I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground, their dead faces looking up at the skies. I tell you, war is hell. I'm sure we don't question Sherman's feelings and convictions about war. If you haven't been there, we just don't know. But at the same time, I've heard it put this way. War is hellish, but not hell. Based on scripture, I would say this is true. Because there is nothing as horrible as hell. I talked on that subject in detail about three weeks ago. World War II qualifies it as perhaps the greatest war or the most hellish war in the history of our world. My father didn't like to talk much about when he was in war. 
He was in World War II in the Korean War. My brother was in the Vietnam War. I had another brother who served in the Navy. But they didn't really want to talk much about it. But World War II was some kind of war itself. And he said he never, my father told me he never wanted to experience that again. In all, 61 countries with 1.7 billion people, three-fourths of the world's population took part. In terms of money spent, it has been estimated at more than $1 trillion, which makes it the most expensive war of all. The human cost of lives, not including the 5 to 6 million Jews killed in the Holocaust, is estimated to have been around 55 million dead. 25 million of those military and 30 million civilian. War is indeed hellish. Some aspects of war are never right, regardless of war. And we have to support those who are willing to go and give on behalf of their country. Now listen to this poem that someone wrote. It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us the freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It is the veteran who salutes the flag and who serves under the flag. And this past Thursday was Veterans Day, so today again, I want to honor you and thank you as veterans. Because we owe each one of them a debt of gratitude. Because they were willing to go and serve and to give on behalf of the United States of America. And I say God bless you all. And with this being said, let's think about what it takes to be a veteran of the faith of Christ. Something we all need to be and do. And we see that it involves three steps. First, obey the commander. Obey the commander. A blowhard Air Force major had just gotten promoted to colonel. And man, he got a new office. And the first thing in the morning, man, when he was in his new office, an airman knocked on the door. You know, he wasn't ranked that high, you understand? And he asked to speak to him. And the colonel, feeling the urge to impress the young man, picked up the phone and started talking. And he said, yes, sir, General, I'll be glad to tell the president exactly what you said. Goodbye. Then he turned to the airman and he barked. And what do you want? Nothing important, sir. I just came to hook up your telephone. Now, listen. <laughs> you see, some people have authority and some just pretend to have authority. Amen. Our president has authority. And while we may not agree with everything he does or says, he is still our commander-in-chief, and we must support him in prayer. And prayer is the big thing. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tired, tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. But don't miss this. Our ultimate commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 1, 22, It says that he placed all things under his feet and gave 
him as head over all things to the church. Christ is the head of the body, the church. And we need to listen to him. Shortly after joining the Navy, some of you have experienced this, right? A new recruit asked his officer for a pass so he could attend a wedding. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The officer gave him the pass, but informed the young officer that he had to be back by 7 p.m. on Sunday evening. He said, you don't understand, sir. I'm in the wedding. And the officer said, no, sir, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. One afternoon, author Patsy Claremont found herself on an airplane sitting next to a young man. She writes, I had already observed something about this young man when I was being seated. He called me ma'am. At the time, I thought either he thinks I'm anxious or he's from the South where they still teach manners or he's in the service. I decided the latter was the most likely, so I asked, you in the service? Yes, ma'am, I am. What branch? Marines. Hey, Marine, where are you coming from? Operation Desert Storm, ma'am. No kidding. Desert Storm. How long were you there? I asked. A year and a half. I'm on my way home. My family will be at the airport. I then commented that he must have thought about returning to his family and home many times while he was in the Middle East. Uh, uh, ma'am, he replied, we're, we were taught never to think of what might never be, but to be fully available right where we were. Now let that sink in. Jesus, our commander-in-chief, tells us in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? What else is there to say? Well, secondly, we must engage the enemy. Engage the enemy. An 18-year-old apparently took a Seattle police car for a joyride. The theft was reported on law enforcement broadcast, and a bicycle patrol officer in downtown Seattle spotted it. A police car immediately gave chase, but lost sight of the stolen vehicle after pausing to check for oncoming traffic at the intersection. It was then that a second police car pulled up, and thinking the car was the stolen vehicle, rammed it from behind. Two policemen in the car that had been hit thought they were under attack. So they pulled out their guns and started shooting. A police spokesperson said the officers involved, two in the rammed car and one in the other, exchanged more than 25 rounds before they realized they were shooting at each other. Now, isn't that what happens in some churches and in some families? Some members do more shooting at one another than they do at the real enemy. As Christians, we are at war, but we're not to be at war with each other. When we fight with one another, we are only helping the enemy. The devil loves church fights. He really loves church gossip. It really doesn't matter what you hear that you think is the truth. What really matters is what is the truth. Understand? And that's what we want to be known for here. Not only preaching the truth, but praying that people will receive the truth. 
that we will always speak the truth and love. We need to fight against such things by fighting against Satan himself. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he has never stopped. Amen? In 1934, Joe Lewis became the heavyweight boxing champion of the world and successfully defended the title 25 times over the next 15 years. The sports voice of the days then was Bill Stern. He asked Joe how he had been able to knock out his opponents so quickly in almost every fight. After a few moments, he answered, well, there's two things. First, I study my opponent until I know him better than I know myself. And second, I make a plan of attack. Now, what is our spiritual plan of attack? I love this, an old deacon who used to pray every Wednesday night at prayer meeting, always ended his prayer the same way. And Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. Well, it got to be too much for one fellow in the prayer meeting. He had heard the old deacon one time too often. So when the man said that prayer, the fellow jumped to his feet and shouted, Lord, Lord, don't do it. Kill the spider. Now, you see, sometimes we are so focused on the cobwebs instead of what calls the cobwebs. I mean, all of us have cobwebs in our lives, but our real enemy is Satan himself. And we need to fight against him. And we do that by bringing in the big guns. And this comes in the form of prayer and Bible study and church and giving and serving. This past week, we had a bunch of our people there serving at Ruler Foods, giving out clothing and a meal. And then through baptisms, nine last week, five today, others on the agenda. Because you know what we have to do? We have to keep the main thing the main thing. And we got to quit majoring on minors and quit minoring on majors. And it's all about Jesus. Amen? First Peter. Let's look at that again, 5, 8 through 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So we fight the enemy by doing the faith stuff in life. Lastly, to be a veteran of the faith of Christ, we must fight to the end. Matthew 10 verse 22. And you will be hated by all of my name's sake. But the ones who endures to the end will be saved. Then we jump to Matthew 24. And because lawlessness. Man. Y'all think we have any lawlessness going on today? There's no such thing as a constitution is it? And because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. Are we seeing that today? Let me stop right there. I've been doing a Wednesday night men's Bible study in the book of Jude. You know it's all about 
apostasy and false doctrine. And we need to understand apostasy is not just a departing from the faith, but is actually a departing from God. That's why the Lord said there will be preachers, there will be teachers, there will be people who say they know the Lord. Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. It's very, very serious. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. A man said, a young friend of mine just got back from uh, boot camp. He said it was a rude awakening to life in the military. It was 24-7 for him, not 9 to 5. You see, the Christian life is not a matter of coming to church on Sunday morning and then forgetting all about the faith the rest of the week. It is a 24-7 job. Amen? A young recruit turned his nose up at the army stew and complained to the mess sergeant, I don't like this stew. Don't I have a choice? Yes, you have a choice to eat it or not to eat it. Some of you can identify with that too, right? Take it or leave it. Church, we are called to fight in a war, not to sit around and gripe about what we don't like in life or in the church. Another heavyweight boxer named Gentleman Jim Corbett, who held the heavyweight boxing title for five years at the end of the 19th century, said this, When your feet are so tired that you have to shuffle back to the center of the ring, fight one more round. When your arms are so tired that you can hardly lift your hands to guard yourself, fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding and your eyes are black and you're so tired that you wish your opponent would crack you on the jaw and put you to sleep, fight one more round. Remembering that the man who fights one more round is never whipped. As Christians, we are expected to fight one more round round. And then after that round, we fight another. But we fight the adversary, the devil. And we must keep on fighting to the end if we expect to experience victory. After the deliverance at Dunkirk, Churchill rallied Britain with his most memorable speech. He said, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. But have we? Will we? Will we be found fighting to our dying day? John Stuart Mill, a philosopher from London, England, said, War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. The decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling is much worse. The person who has nothing for which he is willing to fight is a miserable creature. So I conclude by saying that in life, there are some things that are worth fighting for. Our freedom in America and our freedom in Christ. So today as we close, I say God bless America. And God bless our U.S. veterans. And may we all be veterans of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we come to your invitation.
Lord, we thank you most of all for the freedom that we have in you. And Lord, for others here today, Lord, who may not know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that the day would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, I pray for the others who have never been baptized. And God, maybe they've been saved or Lord, they got baptized and got saved later. Lord, if they had that out of order, that God, they will get that in order. Lord, for others who may have family members serving today in our military, God, or whatever, that God, they just need to come and pray. Lord, for whatever's going on in people's lives today, that Lord, this altar would be open to them to come and pour their heart out to you. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have your hand upon us. Lord, your hand upon this church, God, and all that you're doing, we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the credit. So today, God, I pray that people, again, would be obedient to what you would call them to do. In your precious name, I ask it all. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.